Well, good morning. How are we doing today? Doing all right? Good to be with you today. Thanks for joining us for worship today. My name is Adrian, and one of the pastors here at Carnegie Free. If you're a newcomer here, we extend a special welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. Our vision statement here is, as you just heard from Jordan, every person matters, and you matter a great deal to us. If we can help you at all in your spiritual growth, taking next steps in your spiritual growth, please let one of the staff members or the information table know after service. We'd love to partner with you any way we can. Hey, it's just kind of been on my heart here this past week, but there's a lot of people who wish they could be with us here on Sunday morning that can't be with us right now. Um, there's many people uh, that I've connected with this last week who I know are ill. Um, it's, been a, it's been a really, really tough season. A lot of people sick. There's a lot of people in our church that have pre-existing conditions, and therefore they can't come to church on Sunday morning. And it's just kind of added up, hasn't it? Like there's an emotional and spiritual weight to it all that has added up over the past several weeks. And I, I've really felt it over this past week as um, we've heard more people who can't come to church right now. And so, again, I want to extend a special welcome to those who are watching online right now. You're part of this church family. We know you'd like to be here. We look forward to you being back well when you can. And also, I just want to pray together for our church because um, it's really important that we're here, isn't it? It's like it's really, really important that we would have fellowship with each other. And it's really easy not to be here right now. It's really easy to find reasons not to be here. And some can't, and that's, that's fine. But like in this moment with the grind that we are feeling nationwide, worldwide, I think it's all the more important that we maintain fellowship here on Sunday morning and our life groups and our other ministries during the week. And even though it's through Mass, which stinks, it is what it is, and we're able to be together, and we need each other. So I'm so grateful, though, that you're here, and I want to pray for you. I know there's some that are hurting in this room right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for those who are watching online and a number of them that I know are hurting right now. So please join me. Uh, Father, we are grateful for this church family. We're grateful that we get to gather here. We don't take it lightly. It's a tremendous honor to gather on the Lord's Day to worship you, and what a joy it was to come together in song here this morning and worship you through music. And we want to worship you now as we hear your word, and we want to worship you as we lend encouragement to someone else in this room who might be needing encouragement right now. There are folks here today who are uh, relationally hurting, others who are physically hurting, and in need of your touch. There's people who are watching online, online right now who are sick and who wish they were here. And, and there's others in our church family who are in the hospital. And we pray for each of them, God. We ask for those who are struggling right now that you would give your sustaining power to each one of us. I pray for those who are ill, God, that perhaps by the power of your right hand you would bring healing and sometimes, God, that's exactly what you do. You bring healing. And we give you all glory for that. And other times, Lord, what you choose to do is you sustain us in the midst of pain. And we know you're doing that for some people here in this room right now. And those watching online, you're sustaining us through a season of pain and difficulty and frustration. And we ask your sustaining power on our church family right now. 
Would you renew us and strengthen us and help us to love one another well? It's really easy right now, God. We all confess it's really easy to think about what we can't do. It's really easy to get critical. And we ask instead, Father God, that you would give us the capacity to think about what we can do and choose to be optimistic with what we have because we do recognize, Lord, you have given us so much. And indeed, the boundary lines have fallen on pleasant places in our lives, and so we want to give you thanks, even through some heartaches that we experience today. So Father, strengthen our church family in this difficult hour that we're in together. We ask for your healing on those who are hurting, and we pray, God, that you would help us to persevere through this season. You'd help us to think on what is good and true and right and pure and excellent and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. Think on on those things the Bible tells us, and then the God of peace will be with us. So, Father, we're asking for your help now, that we would think on things above, not on things below, and that you would grant us your peace, even in this moment. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our God, our rock, our redeemer. Amen. Well, I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bible to John 15 and then Galatians 5 if you brought your Bible with you. If you don't have that, you want to use your phone or want to just follow along up on the screen, we have a number of verses on the screen that we'll be going through also. In your outline, it says John 14. That's a typo, and that's my mistake, but it's, it's John 15, verses 1 and 4, and then we'll go over to Galatians 5 as well. We're in this series titled um, The Good Life, and we're looking at some false portraits of what life looks like, and then real portraits from the Scripture on what the good life really is. And we're trying to compare what we see oftentimes from the world, and sadly what we oftentimes see from the church in terms of those portraits of what makes up the good life. Today's title is more compelling than a checklist. You might say, well, a checklist doesn't sound all that compelling, and and you'd be right, it doesn't. But many of us, including me, we live by our checklist, don't we? We die by our checklist. Like I got checklists on my phone, on my computer, on post-it notes. I got checklists on the wall in my office, all over the place. And um, sometimes in the church, unfortunately, what we can do is give people a bunch of checklists of things to do without actually helping them toward the goal of our faith. And so we'll talk about that a little bit here today. I've shared Bud before that I became a Christian in college. And when I was uh, about 19 years old, Bud became a Christian. Maybe a year or two after that, I uh, developed some really good relationships with a couple other guys that were serious about walking with Christ, and we were part of an on-campus ministry together. And these guys who were further along than me were pouring into my life, and they would regularly come up to me and they'd say, hey, Adrian, did you have your QT this morning? I'm like, well, what's that? Did you have your QT this morning? Like, is, do you get that a DQ? Um, if so, I'll take one with Reese's. Yes, please. No, it's not that. Did you have your, your quiet time this morning? I said, well, what's, what's that? What's a quiet time? I, I didn't know. So quiet time is you, you have your time of reading the Bible, and then you have your time of prayer, and then you get about your day. 
I said, okay, great, thanks. I started having my QT. And then I continued to act like AB, which wasn't as good. <laughs> but that was kind of part of the Christian subculture that I was a part of. And I learned that that wasn't unusual. I've talked to many men and women who uh, grew up around the same time as me, and they heard the same language. In fact, I was talking to, to my friend, uh, Pastor Scott Stober, about this a number of weeks ago, and he shared that when he was uh, an undergraduate at Oklahoma State University, he was a part of a ministry called The Navigators. And The Navigators is a wonderful ministry, and he was living with a bunch of other guys in a house together who were also part of The Navigators. And uh, just as an aside, if you young people have an opportunity to be a part of a Christian community when you go to college, give your right arm for that. Like, it's that important. At that time, 18 to 25, give your right arm for that. A few other people that are moving in the same direction as you. But he was in that with these other navigators at Oklahoma State University, and they used the same language. Did you have your quiet time? And they had this running joke that sometimes they would sit down at breakfast and someone would go on and on and on with their prayer before breakfast. You ever been in one of those? Yeah, you've been in one of those. And uh, so, for example, say Scott went on and on and on for his morning prayer uh, with his fellow navigators. Sometimes they would turn to him and say, somebody forgot to have his quiet time this morning. A little bit too much prayer. Long prayer over breakfast, like squeezing it in over the course of their morning prayer, that kind of thing. And I, the last thing I would ever do is criticize morning quiet time. Please, I'm not doing that. Because indeed, here's a, a critical truth, you form your habits, and then your habits form you. Right? Isn't that the truth? Let me say it again. You form your habits, and then over time, your habits form you. So a great habit, and one that I'm so grateful for, that was formed in me at age 2021 was reading the scriptures and praying in the morning. But what I learned was this Christian subculture of doing your QT in the morning was sometimes about getting the checklist done and crossing it out and then getting about your daily business, which of course is an adventure in missing the point. Friends, if you've been raised in the church, I just got to tell you today, the good life isn't about completing daily checklists. It's about remaining daily with Christ. So if you're raised as part of that Christian subculture that I'm talking about, you might have remembered, it might be in your bones, that there's certain things that I need to cross off each day or each week in my Christian checklist. And each of those are good. But the Christian life is not about those checklists. It's about learning to remain daily in Christ. Listen to Jesus' invitation here from John chapter 15. John 15, 1 and 4 says this, I am the true vine, Jesus says. I am the true vine. Verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you, what's the word? Unless you remain in me. So the operative word that Jesus is hitting on again and again is remain in me. Remain, remain, abide, dwell in me. 
Other translations of the Bible even have this word, abide in the vine, remain in the vine, dwell, spend time with God is what it's saying, be with God. Not just for 10 or 15 minutes in the morning, but seek to develop the habit of life that you're dwelling with God throughout the day. Because he is the vine and we are the branches. The image, of course, that's envisioned here, you'll see up on the screen, and you find it throughout John chapter 15. I encourage you to read John 15 later on is this, that there's this great vine who is Jesus himself. Jesus is the vine, he is the true vine, and we are the branches. So those who are disciples of Christ, if you've given your life over to Christ, you are a branch that connects to the vine. And then the Holy Spirit is the water that goes from the vine into the branch, which enables us to produce good fruit. The Holy Spirit is a sap that goes from the vine into the branches that nourishes us on a daily basis, an ongoing basis, such that we would produce good fruit. And what a vine dresser would do is they would take a branch from the ground that still had life in it, and they would take a small rope of vine And they would wrap that new branch around the vine, grafting out a little slice from the branch and a little slice from the vine and putting them together such that the result would be the vine and the branch are merged together. Do you understand Jesus' imagery here? The vine and the branch are merged together. Because the branch is remaining in the vine. On an ongoing, continuous basis, gaining its life from the vine and therefore producing the most beautiful fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the rest. Jesus in this picture is the vine. The Holy Spirit is the sap flowing through us and we are the branches. We remain in him and he remains In us. Now, each of these verbs that are written, remain, 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 are all written in the present tense active voice, which means you can't just hang back and grow close to Christ. It means that spiritual apathy is perilous to our souls, it means there's an activity. A moving near to God that happens, that we must do, that we must actively choose to engage the vine for our spiritual nourishment on an ongoing, regular basis. And then, over time, that nourishes us and renews us, sustains us, and overflows to others. Another word picture that's given from Jesus along these same lines comes from John chapter 7, which says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. You thirsty this morning? Man, you thirsty this morning. Here's the word of Jesus. Let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. And as the scriptures say, he who believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And so, So we draw near and we drink from the vine as this regular habit of life and then streams of living water flow through us and we produce fruit. You ask, well, how, how do we do this, Adrian? And it's, it's really this and it's given to us throughout the Gospels that we are invited to surrender our moments to God, surrender our body to God, surrender our mind to God, surrender our heart to God, surrender our soul to God 
as a regular habit of life, we surrender our moments to God, saying, God, may you have your way in me. I want your will and your will alone in this meeting that I'm heading into right now. Here as I go to church, I want your will and yours alone. As I interact with people at church, I want your will. I want to be a representative of you. I surrender to you. One of my breath prayers is, I surrender to you this moment. Your will, not mine. Your will, not mine, God. And the result of that is we're closer to God. So surrendering to God regularly throughout the day and then seeking to dwell with God more frequently throughout the day. We talked about this last week with those breath prayers. Really, really simple tool that you can kind of do in the recesses of your subconscious while you're doing other things. And so we talked about washing our hands. And while we're washing our hands, we were repeating and praying Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27, those beautiful verses. And then over time, doing these kinds of habits we abide more and more. Think about this foundational verse, Matthew 6.33, says, seek the kingdom of God right now. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously right now and then he'll give you everything you need. That sounds pretty good. I, I seek your kingdom right now, God. I seek to live righteously right now. I seek to go after your goodness right now and you'll take care of what I need. You, you, you won't take care of all my wants. Lord knows he won't do that. But you'll take care of what I need in this moment. This isn't something that we can do for a few moments in the morning and then be done for the rest of the day. It's not something that we can do yesterday while today we're running after the Benjamins. It's something that we do throughout each day. And really the goal of the Christian life is this, we are surrendering each and every moment to God. We will have many other goals for each and every day, but those are sub-goals underneath this main goal, which is seeking first the kingdom of God and living righteously before him, staying connected to the vine, abiding in Christ, and as a result of that, luscious, beautiful fruit flows from these branches. The goal, my friends, is not the checklist. The goal is the relationship, right? The goal is the relationship. If you're taking notes here, the goal is relationship. The checklist is merely training wheels for the relationship. The checklist is just training wheels for relationship. So you see on your outline here, we have a few different checklist box, boxes on the left of the point. You can... Um, Go ahead and cross off each of these points as you go. Okay, we're making progress. As we go, you cross those off. We have this checklist that we're going through, but the checklist is not the goal. The goal is relationship as we go. Deeper relationship with God. The checklist helps us to get things done. Again, they're great. I have lots of them, but they're just a tool, and so we do not want to mistake them for the goal, which is connection with God. Let me just meddle for a moment. Do you know, have you known anyone who kind of just has as an annual habit, I'm going to read through the Bible each and every year and going through my daily checklist of reading through four or five chapters every day so I get through the Bible every year. Have you met someone like that? You don't have to raise your hand. Maybe you are that person, which would be great. You know someone like that? It's a wonderful, wonderful discipline to do. But I've been surprised over the year how many people 
that I've met who do that on an annual basis, but they seem unchanged. There's a lot of people that I've known who do that as a checklist in the morning, and they check off their box for their annual Bible reading plan, and at the end of the year, they feel like, okay, I did it. But oftentimes, as I think back over my history in Christ, sometimes those people were the very ones who were most proud of their checklists. Have you noticed that? Okay, that's an example of mistaking the tool for the goal. The goal is drawing near to Christ. The Bible reading plan is simply a tool. Or I I went to parochial school as a kid. We lived in a really tough neighborhood, and so my parents scrimped and scrapped, and they sent me to parochial school as a little kid in urban Denver. And uh, it was a wonderful school, but sometimes I got into trouble like other elementary school kids. And when I got into trouble for talking about some other kid behind their back or taking a pencil that was not mine or talking back to a teacher, I went to a confessional booth. And in that confessional booth, I talked to a priest who would regularly tell me, go say 10 Hail Marys and 15 Our Fathers and you're good, which worked really well for my checklist personality. I did those. I checked them off the list. But was I changed? I I wasn't changed. They were just tools that became a rule, and I missed the point of them. They didn't do much of anything. Remember, quiet time is a good tool for you to do in the morning or midday or whenever. It's not a rule. The beautiful thing about this is you now have freedom, if you believe this, to kind of vary up the different ways that you would remain in Christ. For some of us, the best time for that is going to be in the morning. For others, it's going to be midday or in the evening time. For some people, the best way they meet with God is in the quiet of a prayer closet. For others, the best way they meet with God is in a noisy cafe. And all of that is totally fine. It's dependent on your personality and your personal rhythms. You figure that out. But the checklist is simply training wheels for dwelling more with God. The key is not to be legalistic about it. Here's the deal. If you have a checklist mentality, the danger is you can check things off and then say, I'm done with God. The danger is it becomes really easy to compartmentalize your life. That I spend some time with God for these 10 minutes in the morning and then I do my thing. That I spend some time with God for 90 minutes on Sunday morning And then I do my thing. The danger is we can check things off rather than abiding in the vine who actually gives us life, who changes us, who helps us to grow the kind of fruit that we want. This is truth. And it's something that we all can fall into. Think about it this way. Relationships just can't uh, be bound by checklists. Have you ever had the experience of going over to someone's house and they saw you, but they really didn't see you? They heard you, but they really didn't hear you. They were there with you, but never while you were there with them were they actually present with you. I'm sure you've had that experience of going to someone's house and um, 
being with them and, and longing to have this moment of presence with people. But they weren't with you because they were encumbered by their checklist, right? They had so many things around the house that they had to get done that they weren't actually able to be present with you. And I have to confess that I've done that on a number of different occasions. If you've been over to my house and I've done that to you, I'm sorry. I'm really, really sorry if I've done that because I can be a checklist person that gets too focused on the task and not focused enough on relationships. And my friends, the reality is this. If that's true for us in our relationships with each other, that is also true for us in our relationship with God. Oh, man. And so we can just get in this habit of doing these little tools and miss out on the prize, miss out on the gold medal, which is dwelling with the Savior who loves us, who wants to be with us. Here's the bottom line that you got to hold on to here this morning. Remaining in Christ daily inevitably produces more of the good life. We can't checklist our way there. We get there by developing habits and patterns of need that I need you, God. And so I surrender to you. And you are my vine. And I'm just a branch that's fit for the fire. And outside of your love, I do not have in myself the goods to be the kind of man that I want to be. There's all these portraits of the good life. Remember the premise of our series. And if you watch enough TV, if you spend enough time on the internet, you will see portraits of the good life, including bigger, badder, and more. You'll see them in the beer commercials. You'll see them through the various bumper stickers, as we've talked about in previous messages. And in the church, sometimes the portraits of the good life are just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and be a self-made man. Sometimes it's Get your barcode scanned by the blood of Jesus and then just grin and bear it until heaven. Or else it's just more bumper stickers, slogans for getting by. And sometimes the best portrait of the good life that's presented by the church is a bunch of to-dos. And what I'm here to tell you is that Jesus wants more than that for you. He, he wants a compelling life for you. He wants a full and joyous life for you. He came that we might have life and have it abundance. He's the way and the truth and the life, and we come to him and we're fed. He's the true vine from whom we get nourishment. We come to him and we drink, and streams of living water flow through us. I love the way Irenaeus said it way back in the second century, the early church father, who was one of the disciples of the Apostle John, by the way, and he said it this way, the glory of God is a man or woman fully alive. Don't you want to be fully alive? <laughs> like we want to be fully alive in some way that is better than what we've oftentimes ingested, even from our well-meaning churches, that's better than what we've oftentimes ingested from the world. We want to be fully alive in that we are living out this beautiful portrait of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, which actually is meant to be our daily experience as we abide in Christ. That can be ours. It's the portrait of a person fully alive. This is why we would do things like designate a prayer chair in our house or why we'd study and meditate and memorize the scriptures. This is why we would develop and keep the church habit. This is why we would do those breath prayers that we talked about last week. 
It's not so that we would get good at doing disciplines. It's so that we would be more connected to the vine. It's not that we would cross something off a checklist. It's that we would keep in step with the Spirit of God who wants to keep in step with us. And so just look, just look with me again here at Galatians 5, and we'll show just one more example here, but before we wrap up. And there's this beautiful continuity to the Scriptures You go from Ezekiel 36, we talked about last week, and the new heart that God gives us, the new spirit he gives us, he puts inside of us that enables us to keep in step with him, enables us to walk with him, to be connected to to the vine. That's the new heart. We now have a new engine in us. Again, that's last week. You might need to go back and listen to that message if you didn't hear. It's a critical message about what God does for us upon regeneration. He puts a new heart in us. And then out of that new heart, we get connected Again, using another metaphor, we get connected as a branch to the vine who is Jesus. We get grafted into him, and we're enabled to become different kinds of people than we could ever do on our own. And then out of that, we're able to keep in step with the Spirit and then demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. And what Paul's doing here is just showing these two different ways, the old man with the old engine and the new man with the new engine. Here's the old man with the old engine, which we can all fall into from time to time. Galatians 5, starting at verse 19. The acts of the flesh are obvious. They are sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions or divisiveness, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here's a sad but important dose of reality. All of us can find ourselves in that passage. In at least one of those descriptors, we'd find ourselves and acting on our own as individual branches, at least one or two of those is what we will naturally do. Right? Every one of us. But acting as a branch connected to the vine, here's what comes from us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Stay connected to Him. It can't be five to ten minutes in the morning and then do my own thing the rest of the day. It just doesn't work. This world is too powerful. Let's read Galatians 5, 22 and 23 from the screen. This is our vision of the good life. Would you join me and read this out loud together, please? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And how do we get there? Verse 25. Verse 25, look up the screen. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. You keep in step with the Spirit. It's like that, that video game, Dance Dance Revolution. You ever played that? Anyone? Okay, me neither. <laughs> me neither. 
I, I don't do dance. Okay. Super Mario Kart, Asphalt 9. What others, boys? Okay, all those good games. I don't do Dance Dance Revolution. But I'm told this is what you do in Dance Dance Revolution. They give you these steps that you're supposed to do, and they teach you how to tango. They teach you how to do whatever it might be that you're supposed to be doing in this dance. And there are two or three steps, maybe just one step ahead of you, and you follow the dots on this board as you're learning how to do this dance. And you keep in step with the direction, and then all of a sudden you win the game. You gain more points and you win the game. And so also, Paul is telling us here, keep in step with the dance of the Spirit. Like, follow him, dwell with him, enjoy him, spend time with him during the day as you worship him, as you take five minutes at noontime to play a worship song, as you take a few minutes at many different times during the day just to pause and to give thanks. Friends, One of the most powerful things that we can do right now to overcome the negativity all around us is to pause and to give thanks three or four times a day. Just to say, I'm going to take two or three minutes in this moment to thank God for what I have as opposed to dwelling on what I don't have. There's an expulsive power to thanksgiving. You say, Holy Spirit, draw me near. Draw me near to you in this moment. And then the influence of the world becomes less and less and less as we are keeping in step with the Spirit and then we demonstrate those beautiful fruit that make up the good life. So here's the practice for this week. Again, each and every week in this series, I hope I'm not overwhelming you, but each and every week in this series we're doing a different practice And again, you don't have to do all of these. Some are going to work for you. Others are not going to work for you. And that's the nature of the various spiritual disciplines that you might do. They're simply tools that you put in your tool belt. And some work and some don't. But if you don't have any tools for the spiritual life, you won't be successful in the spiritual life. You develop tools that enable you to abide more in Christ. And so the tool here for, for this weekend is this, and for this week is this. Practice this. Create and place a strategic reminder of some kind of the Holy Spirit's presence. Maybe as a family, you would do a craft this week that serves as a strategic reminder of the Holy Spirit's presence to your family. Maybe individually, you would write out a verse and put it on your windshield. That's a reminder. Maybe it's Galatians 5.25. This week I'm going to keep in step with the Spirit. Or it's something out of John 15, that I abide in Christ, I remain in Christ. Maybe as a family you draw out John 15. You frame it somewhere. And it serves as a reminder to you of the Holy Spirit's presence. I do this at different times because I need to vary it up. I just get a little bored. I have to vary things up. And so on my key ring is a little copper link and a number of you, probably 10 years ago at a men's retreat, we took out these copper links and all the guys cut off a little piece and we put it on our key ring and whenever I reach down in my pocket and I touch this copper link, it's a reminder to me that I'm not supposed to be a stopper, I'm supposed to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit. And in order to do that, I need to rely on the Holy Spirit. And so I touch this link and it's a reminder that as water goes through a copper link, so the Holy Spirit is supposed to come into me and flow through me to others. As I rest in him, I would grow that beautiful, luscious fruit of the Spirit from my arms. 
So this is a reminder for me. I keep a ring on my finger that has a verse from the Song of Songs. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And I look down and I touch it and I just remind myself to center my identity in that. Not in the things of this world. I am my beloved's. I am my beloved's and he is mine. And I can abide in Christ in this moment. What would it be for you? What strategic reminder might you create for you or your family to enjoy over these next weeks, even as we anticipate Christmas, that would remind you again that Christ came in humility and still he dwells with us. Still he is here through the Holy Spirit. And one day he'll return bodily to judge the living and the dead. He'll return gloriously. What's it going to be for you that you would remind yourself of the presence of God this week? The simple truth is our world is organized to help us forget about God. Right? Our world is organized to help us forget about God throughout each day. And oftentimes the church is organized to help us remember God for very limited short periods of time. And so it's a formidable but critical task for us to think about how will I remember God more today? How will I surrender to God more frequently today? How will I dwell with my God more frequently today? Father, we ask for your help in this. As with every spiritual discipline that we keep, we ask for your help in this. We want to remain in the vine. And we simply admit to you that this world is not organized for us to remember Christ often. The things in our world are organized to help us forget about God. And so we really need your help on this one. Lord, would you help us to think about how we could creatively remember you this week such that we would dwell with you more. We would abide in the vine and we would become these really strong, healthy branches that produce wonderful spiritual fruit for others to enjoy and for us to enjoy as well. Father, I thank you that your word tells us that even when we are faithless, you are faithful. And this word tells us from John 15 that you choose to remain in us. And so we confess that oftentimes we've not chosen to remain in you. Oftentimes we've been faithless. But we thank you, God, for your goodness to remain in us. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness through your spirit to remain in us. We want to know more of your resurrecting power, God. We want to know more of your renewing strength. We really desire to grow in the good life that's found through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, would you help us to remember you often throughout our days this week? We will be careful to give you all credit as you continue to build our lives into the beautiful redemptive portrait of Christ that you want to present to the world around us.
Thank you, Jesus, that you'll do this even in us. We give you all glory in Christ's name. Amen.